Hi, welcome to Reverse Sequels. This is Patrick, and with me, as always, is... Ellie! And today's podcast is mini-episode number three, The Hundred? That's a big question mark I'm hearing in your voice because we have been talking about for ages how our 100th episode is coming up and lo and behold, I found out that you counted our 50th episode spectacular as an episode, Yeah, which kind of makes sense because it is an episode of the show, but... It's not our 100th movie. Right. So, yeah, for the last two podcasts, we've been saying Mission Impossible 6 was going to be our 100th movie. But it's our 100th episode. But not our 100th movie. Right. And I think that's an important distinction. This is the 100th, but not the 100th. Right. So I think Mission... (laughs) Well... Some One of the Mission Impossible movies is our 100th episode and our 100th movie. So I think mission accomplished. <laughs> right, which I'm excited about because I love the franchise. I think it was a great choice. But yeah, there was some controversy there. So, I mean, I think it's good. We're kicking off this mini episode talking about the controversy of counting to 100. <laughs> <laughs> and do you want to count 100 movies watched or 100 episodes? I think both are fair. I'm glad that they both fall within the same movie. Right, that is helpful. As you know from our last episode, I love this movie. We finally got Ellie up to an A- minus for it. We do want to talk about it on this mini episode just to clear some things up. Just uh, a couple points maybe we didn't get to in the last episode. Number one, was Walker John Lark? This is a great question because I in no way, shape, or form got that impression that he was Lark. I mean, and (laughs) so I think I missed... I got the impression. I just didn't know it was so for sure. Well, what about the fact that he flew the helicopter at the end? I 100% thought Lark was that man in the bathroom. (laughs) So, and you know what? But on you know, on reflection, in hindsight, there's a good chance that Henry Cavill was Lark. Well, what about the fact that we rewatched the scene and he clearly says that he's Lark? Why was that lost on me the first time? There was a lot happening in that scene. It was you know, it was Benji and Elaine Mask and wait, who's Elaine Mask? It was Benji in a Solomon Lane mask. Oh, don't, don't be proud of yourself for that. That was so horrible. <laughs> so, in the last episode, there was a debate on what uh, Henry Cavill's true intentions were, and I they were real clear. Were you confused? Yes. Well, okay. I, you can hear it in the podcast. I wasn't sure. I was like, wait a minute, then why does he fly away with the detonator at the end? Well, you're still, you're so sure now, and I'm still unsure. I know, but we rewatched the scene together. Right, but here's the thing. I thought that he was flying away in the end just because he was a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, but, I but didn't he know- is Lark. Not well. Lark is the bad guy. I thought he was maybe a crony, a henchman. I don't know. He was. So you're telling me yeah. that we had Solomon Lane and Lark in the same room at the same time, and Ethan Hunt let them both slip through his fingers, like three plutonium cores. Yeah, but then he kills Lark, so he accomplishes one thing. I don't know if he kills him. He falls off a mountain. Maybe it wasn't quite his fault. Oh, oh! I thought you were wondering at the certainty <laughs> of his lived. death. 
I'll have to go back and rewatch that scene too. I'm pretty sure he's dead. A couple other things. But you're saying the mountain killed him? <laughs> yeah, I think it was not Tom Cruise's fault. I think Tom Cruise would have saved him if he could have. Wait, so in a court of law, if you push someone off a cliff, you would argue that the cliff killed the person, no, not I don't think... you, the pusher? He didn't push him, though. I think they were fighting, and they both fell, and Tom Cruise held on, and Lark fell. So the mountain did it. I wouldn't say the mountain did it. I would say it was an accidental death. Negligent homicide, at the very least. <sighs> okay, that's another weird layer. <laughs> well, I might be bumping this back to a B plus. How dare you? So another thing, it was brought to our attention on Twitter... By Robert Nance, who's very helpful. He's given us some... Great feedback. Great feedback in past episodes, too. That we really appreciate. I feel... He's probably listening to these and be like, these people are so dumb. But, you know, we're watching these in backwards order, so... (laughs) We get a lot of things (laughs) messed up. So, he helpfully pointed out that IMF stood for Impossible Mission Force, which we were pretty close. We were guessing Impossible Mission something. Yeah. And we do, by the next episode, we did figure out that it was forced. <laughs> so when you listen to next week's episode for Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation, we did figure out it was Impossible Mission Force. I think um, that is key, though, to understanding the whole franchise is knowing what IMF stands for. <laughs> I think so, too. I loved this movie. I could not stop reading about this movie after we were finished watching it. And I have to admit, I did some YouTube watches of Tom Cruise doing the stunts just to be really sure he did those crazy stunts. Oh, he was definitely doing it. So I want to talk about some MI6 trivia. Okay. And I actually have a lot of stuff about the stunts in particular. As we know, Tom Cruise did all his own stunts for this movie. And he really did learn to fly a helicopter. That for the, the movie? Or he, did he know already? No, he learned it for the movie. He got his license to fly a helicopter in 12 days, but then he trained for a year and a half to do the final stunt. Oh, wow. Which is insane. And he also, you know, the part where him and Henry Cavill jump out of the airplane, he trained for that for like a year, for how to do that kind of fall. How many years did it take to make this movie? <laughs> Once one wrapped, he just started training for the next one, I guess. So the, he really does all these stunts. And then they do supplement it, I guess, with CGI. So he really was falling out of an airplane or whatever, but it was over a desert, and then they CGI'd Paris underneath it, which I thought was cool. I didn't know at all. All right, as long as they're not CGIing the stunt itself, he's doing it. Yeah, so I guess that's Christopher McQuarrie's philosophy. He's like, the thing that you're going to see up front, you want to be a practical effect. And then you can background CGI. Here's my question. So one of the other stunts that Tom Cruise actually did in this movie is when he is jumping from building to building on that foot chase that we love so much. And in one of those jumps, he broke his ankle. And it halted production of the movie. They had to shut down production for For weeks because he broke his ankle. It cost $80 million because they had to shut down production, but they had to keep paying everybody so they wouldn't go take other jobs. And they had to wait for him to heal his ankle. And Tom Cruise is a pretty badass. He broke his ankle, and then he pulled himself up onto the building, because that's what's supposed to happen in the scene, and he kept running on the broken ankle. No. And then they had to cut it, and then actually that scene is, the beginning of the scene is months before the second half of the scene. Okay, that editing was pretty seamless then. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I think that's really gross. <laughs> that he ran on the broken ankle? Yeah, don't do that. That could only make it worse. Also, how much did this movie gross then? 
I mean, it made hundreds of millions of dollars, so they definitely got it back. So the eighty million was so that drop just in the is bucket. an insane amount of money. But here's my question: Why do they let Tom Cruise do his own stunts? My guess would be that if you want a name like Tom Cruise, you gotta let him steer the ship. You gotta let him do what he wants to do. I mean, and that was in, like, the preliminary research I could find. That's what people are saying. This is his thing. He wants to do all his own stunts. If you want Tom Cruise in your movie, you let him do it. But $80 million if he breaks his ankle? He's like the American Jackie Chan. And I guess it was covered by insurance, but, I mean, just the time and... I just think it's not worth it. I guess in this particular franchise... His ankle was covered by insurance? Or that $80 million gap? Yeah, like the... They had insurance on him so that if something went wrong, the insurance would cover oh, wow. the cost. I don't know if it was the whole $80 million, but I just think other than this franchise in which I guess he has to be the face of it, I wouldn't let Tom Cruise do stunts in my movie. Right, but I think that's a problem. I think it's cool to let the main actor do stunts, but everyone coddles the actors, so this is kind of good in a way. I would just cast somebody else if he insisted on it, even though I like Tom Cruise. It's not worth it. He is such a name that transcends that you would just do whatever he wanted. I thought it was interesting. So I read this article about the DVD commentary. I didn't actually watch the DVD commentary, but I read all the highlights of what was said. It's Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie sitting down doing it. And it sounds like they were co-directing the movie, basically. It sounds like Tom Cruise had a lot of input on a lot of scenes. Like, for example... In the very first scene where he's buying the plutonium in the the drug deal. Uh-huh. In the plutonium deal. Uh-huh. Not the part you didn't like. Apparently before it was just all serious. And Benji was there and they were just doing the deal. But in the final version, there's like some banter between him and Benji. Like some jokes. And Tom Cruise wanted to put that in because he didn't want people to be alienated who hadn't seen the previous movies. Like us! Right. It basically, he made this for us. I know. So he was like, oh, the way that the scene was originally playing was it was assuming the audiences were already familiar with the team. And he was like, let's show them what the team dynamic is all about. I really wish you weren't telling me this because it's making me like Tom Cruise more <laughs> and more and more. I think you should like Tom Cruise other than his weird cult thing. That's huge. Well, it's right. too big to overlook. It's true. But now here's a question I had. Do you think it's important for a good sequel to not alienate audience members who didn't see the first one? I love this question for the experiment of this podcast. Right. Because normally when people like a franchise, people like a movie, they seek out the sequel. And they're not watching it in the way that we're watching it. So I don't think it's necessary because you're... Your natural inclination, if you're making this movie, is to assume that people know it, people have seen it, people are familiar, that's why they're back for it, that's why they love it, they cheer at all the inside jokes, people are in on it. That being said, I always think it's a good idea to establish connections. If I go to someone's barbecue, and I've met their cousin Joe (laughs) at the last barbecue, it'd still be great for them to introduce and remind, like, remember you guys met last time? Right. This is my cousin. Right. That's always handy and helpful. So I think you should do it. Yeah, I almost want to rewatch all the sequels that we've watched with this all new... All 99 of them. <laughs> yeah. This new question in mind. 
and I may think about it for the future because I do think that the sequels that we've liked better are you're able to enjoy them without having seen the first one or in this case the fifth one like I loved Mission Impossible 6 I didn't even need to see any of the other movies yeah, I think that's a great job. I think that's incredibly smart of Tom Cruise. I think he knows his craft. He's been in the industry many years. I had one more, and I'm saving this one for last because it's oh, juicy. so good. It's so juicy. Uh-oh. For me, bad for you. Uh-oh. The studio wanted this movie to be shorter, just like you did. <laughs> okay. And they tested it, but every time they tested the movie with shorter cuts... The audience score went down. It tested worse. Why? Because the movie is as long as it needs to be. <laughs> this is the perfect length for the movie. You probably don't see it, but if you had seen a shorter version, you probably would have liked it less. I don't know. I think you could have <laughs> cut out all the White Widow plot, and I would have loved it. I'm telling you, they said they talked a lot about the White Widow, and they said that they, they loved did. It. Yeah, they said they loved her chemistry with no, Tom Cruise. It's Ilsa all the way. I do love Elsa. Interesting. Now, that's a really interesting tidbit because... Because it proves how wrong you were. No, because as are. we know, audiences are notoriously wrong. No, that's true. Audience deserves Because out. wasn't it the same thing? I think trailers nowadays give away too much of the movie and are too long. And so why even bother seeing the movie half of the time? And you told me the same research, that test audiences liked it when trailers gave away too much. Yeah. I do. That is true. So I think... You just hoisted me with my own petard there. I think <laughs> test audiences are wrong. All right. That's a good point. Test audiences are idiots. But... <laughs> I think that's a really interesting fact. I would like to test my own theory and watch a shorter version and see if I like it better. Maybe. But now you've already seen the longer version. I don't know. You, we'd have to erase your memory somehow. That's all I have for this one. Uh, in the next movie... There's also some awesome stunts. I don't know if we're going to have a mini episode that covers that. So I do want to say about Mission Impossible 5, which we're going to talk about next week. There's one stunt where Tom Cruise is underwater. Yeah. Oh, For yeah. an extended period of time. And I found out he really held his breath for like six minutes. And they filmed that scene in one take. That's incredible. And it's br- in the movie, it's not one take. It's broken up right, with other action. Who could watch that? That's incredible. But he was really underwater the whole time. I think he's insane. I think your theory about he believes he's an alien from Xenozorp or whatever. And he has superhuman powers. Yeah. But that's what Maybe makes him Maybe he does. Great. Maybe Scientology is real. Oh, no. If he can hold his breath for six minutes, I might start auditing myself. He probably, his thetan levels are probably off the charts that enables him to hold his breath. (laughs) All right, that's all I had as far as trivia goes. I'm excited for next week's episode where we're talking about Mission Impossible 5. Rogue Nation. Yes, who are the rogues? (laughs) Who are the nations? So join us next week. We're going to be talking about what we got right, what we got wrong, what we could have never predicted. It's a wild ride. Uh, as always, I'm Patrick. And I'm Ellie. See you next time. Bye. Reverse sequels.